Come on, we're going to have a good day today. We are in a new series, new series today. I love it. The next few weeks, we're going to be learning about what to do when you don't know what to do. How many of you have been there lately? Like, I do not know what to do right now. I mean, I've been faced with decisions. Homeschool, does my wife be, become a homeschool teacher or do we send our kids back to school? Like, what do we do when we don't know what to do? Today, the title of the message, I'll give it to you up front. It is called Shift. I'll say that correctly. Shift from the Drift, okay? Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes we go through life and we get, we get stuck. Have you ever been stuck? I want to look at a picture here. It's pretty funny to me. Help! Help! I'm stuck. I saw one where there was this, and I, it didn't look right on the page, but it, it actually was a picture of like this pug with all the rolls, and it was stuck in between two cushions. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are right now. We're just kind of stuck on the couch of our mind. We're stuck. Like, we used to fit, like this guy used to fit through that little hole. And he has eaten so much during COVID-19, he cannot get through. He's like, help! At the top of his lungs. That guy's screaming. I don't know about you, but I've been stuck before to the point where I've screamed, I've panicked. Listen, when I was 10 years old, we went on a vacation, and we went to one of these, uh, like, like one of these tourist trap places, you know, where they take all your money and you don't get anything for it. Like, even the souvenirs are overpriced. Uh, I'm talk it sounds like I'm talking about Disney World, but that's really cool. They've got some really good rides. But here's the deal. This was not Disney World. This was a gigantic maze. Ooh, kids of the 80s and 90s, we're going to a maze. Like, we used to go to places where it's like lost by the sea. Like, we used to go to places where you would get lost. I mean, so we went to this gigantic mage, maze. We, we split up, and I'm like, I'm doing this one on my own. What's the best time, bro? What's the best time? He, told, he gave me the time. I'm like, I'm going to beat that time. Because what, what if I win? You get a T shirt. Not a Game Boy, not, not an iPad, not a car, a t shirt. So I go and say, so we take off. I start running. I'm turning. I'm pivoting. I'm running. I'm turning. I'm pivoting. I mean, I was so much faster when I was, I mean, faster when I was younger than I am now. And then eventually I ran into a wall. I turned around and then I went the other way and I ran into the other wall. Then I ran into another wall and another wall. And then I got to the point where I was at a crossroads and I'm like, did I go there? Did I go there? Did I go there? Have I done that before? Have I tried that before? Have I tried that? And then I went and repeated every one of them. I started marking things on the post like, I wonder if I'll get in trouble for marking where I've been before. And so I started marking. Things. And then this is what happened. I panicked. It was 105 degrees outside. I started sweating. I was getting dehydrated because who wears a jean jacket in the middle of the summer? I don't know, bro. I did. I was running around. I, I, like, I was like looking under the, I was trying to look under this much of, it was kind of like that little gerbil there. I was trying to get under. I was like, I didn't want to cheat, but I started to panic because I'm like, I am lost in this very consolidated 50-yard uh, maze. And the point is, so I got confused. I got turned around. My pride got in the way in the beginning. I said, I've got this. I've got this. So I ran harder. I tried harder. And then eventually fear set in and I said, I'm lost. I'm lost. Or maybe I'm stuck. And I eventually sat down on the ground, and I laid down, and I kind of pitched a fit, like a 10-year-old fit. I just looked up. I just looked up, and I cried. I was 10. I, I remember that. Then I looked up, and I saw the guy. Remember they make these little, like, castle things about every so far. So the guy, the little 16-year-old person that's working the job, they wear the shirt. They've got the keys. They've got the bullhorn. They're like, he's like, hey, bro. 
hey, bro, you're not lost. If you just, <laughs> you're hilarious. <laughs> Grow up and uh, just go five steps forward and then take a right, okay? I'm like, I have been mocked. Life was terrible. I was stuck. I laid on the ground and I cried and I looked up. I think we can all agree that it sucks the life out of you when you get stuck. We've all hit the wall before, the wall of I do not know what to do. I think America, I think the world is in this place right now. You'll see it on the screen. I mean, we have headlines that are saying, we've never been here before. And I don't know about you, but like, I've never been here before. I've never pastored through a pandemic. I've never pastored through a, a, a global crisis on this economic scale. And we have headlines saying, we've never been here before. And what happens when we're there? Many of us today feel like we're stuck. We've already admitted that, haven't we? And it becomes beyond just a moment in time. It's not just a momentary race where we can try to get a prize. It becomes life, and if we're not careful, it becomes a prolonged season. And here's the trapping of we don't know what to do. And if we begin to do the wrong things, like lay down and cry and give up, if we don't pause long enough to get our bearings, if we don't stop and do some very basic things that we know to do, we will get stuck in the season. I don't know about you, but I just speak and maybe even declare, if I could even go so far as to say, take some positional authority that only God could grant and say, I want to prophesy and say that one day we will be over COVID. One day we will get through COVID. One day we will be on the other side of this season. Amen. But the trapping of the enemy would say, but I want you to stay stuck in this season. I want you to stay where you are. But how many can believe this truth or can admit this truth rather? Before we get stuck, we tend to drift. We tend to drift. Did you know that in the 1400s, sailors and ship crews from Europe and other nations would set out to find new worlds in 1492? Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Current, currents and winds would carry the boats and they, would, and, and they would sail with their families and they wanted to find new land and new treasures and new places that they could call home. But what happens when a captain or a crew falls asleep or gets tired and weary of the long trip? There's another picture I want to show you. I hate to show you all these pictures today, but I want to get it in your mind that there's a current and there's a, there's a season and there's winds. And, and what happens is if you drift too long, if you fall asleep at the wheel, you will actually get into this middle zone around the equator called the doldrums. Have you heard of this? The doldrums. We can drift into the doldrums, and in the doldrums, it's between two pockets of air, two currents, and there is a, 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 an area that there's no air. There's no fresh wind. You begin to just drift off course. You've seen movies like with Captain Jack Sparrow, and they get caught in the doldrums where there's no air. There's no air in their cells. There's no wind. There's no hope, and they just begin to kind of aimlessly drift for days, weeks, and months. And if you are not careful, you will get stuck in the doldrums. And I hate to say this, there's not enough wind to carry you into the next season. I don't want you to stay there. I don't want you to get stuck in the doldrums today. Let's ask ourselves a few questions. What causes us to drift? 
I would say crisis can cause us to drift. We said it, I don't know what to do, so I begin to do nothing or I begin to do the wrong things. Like how, how, who eats a whole tube of Oreos? <laughs> or Chips Ahoy, those are the tubes. The Oreos come in those other things where they just peel the tab right off. You just peel that thing, it opens up, and you just grab the whole, you know what? Anyway, I'm sorry. So uh, <laughs> I got excited, I'm hungry now. Uh, crisis, we start doing the wrong things. Pride gets in the way, I've got this, or whoa, I thought I had it figured out. Fear sets in, I'm afraid, I shelter, I lock down everything. I don't spend a dime, I'm not generous, I don't live, I don't pray, I don't eat, I don't sleep, our pets' heads are falling off. Yeah, somebody got that one. I believe it's time for us to shift from the drift, and here's what scripture shows us. There's three things we must do to shift from the drift. Three things. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Look at this verse. It says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Listen, when crisis comes, you better know what to do. There's a few things that we must do. And here, the nation of Israel, you've got uh, King Jehoshaphat. We're going to talk about this. Uh, this is the nation. This is what's going on in the nation. The enemies are coming after them. You've got the, all the ites, the Hittites, the, the, all the Amalekites. You've got all these ites coming after the children of God. And they're actually in the ocean. They're, about to, they're actually in the sea. They're coming up to their land. And this is what happens they say, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. But what happened before that? Look at verse two through four. Some people came and told King Jehoshaphat. How, what people? Some people. All of the people? No, just a few people. Some people. Where were the other people? Probably hunkered down, sheltered down. They, they knew what was about to come down, they weren't, or maybe they weren't paying attention at all, but some people came and told King Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in, in Gedi. And then this is verse three, alarmed Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, I keep saying Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. I love this. Although alarmed, Jehoshaphat did not panic. How many of you have been alarmed and you've absolutely panicked? You've absolutely freaked out on your spouse. You've absolutely freaked out on your kid. Like my kid slammed my one child, my nine-year-old accidentally slammed my little Harper's uh, five-year-old child finger in the door. And my Harper, she's like, ah, screaming. And I come around, I'm like, I'm a hero of the moment. I open the door and I, and I don't even look at, at poor Harper. She's like, oh, and I'm like, and I go to the, I go to the enemy which it's not. She's my daughter. She's my flesh and blood. She's Cadence. I love her. She's my firstborn child. She's beautiful. And I go to her and I'm like, what have you done? And she's over here screaming. I think that's what we do in, in crisis. We go to the wrong party. We go to the wrong Facebook post. We go to the wrong news heading. We go to the wrong place. We get alarmed. But even Jehoshaphat was alarmed, but he did not panic. He said, I resolved to inquire of the Lord, 
to ask the Lord what is going on. He proclaimed a fast to pray. And this is what happened. The people of Judah came together. Some people, no, all the people came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from every town in Judah to seek him. Listen, it's time for us to, number one, gather up. Gather up. What do we do in times of crisis? I know that media, listen, this is gonna get a little pushback. I'm probably gonna get a nasty email. I want you to hear my heart. I'm not saying if you have health challenges that you don't need a, 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 a social distance and that you don't need to be safe and you don't need to hunker down. We've all had moments where it's time to quarantine. But there is also a season where we must count the cost of quarantine. I'm gonna say that again. You might need to count the cost of quarantine. There's a season where you quarantine. There's a season where you shelter. There's a season where you use your wits and your wisdom that God gives you and you shelter. And you find shelter where? In your home? In your Oreo? In your Netflix binge? No, you find shelter in the Lord. That's good. You can go home and find shelter. I'm not saying that you can only find shelter at the altar. You can only find shelter at the church. No, you can find shelter in the shadow of the wings of God. You can find shelter in his presence, but you do have to count the cost of quarantine. I'm not coming down on quarantine. I'm not coming down on masks. I'm just saying count the cost and begin to ask, am I catching something other than not catching the virus? And there's worse things to catch, you know. The doldrums of depression and anxiety and fear and loneliness and isolation and being, begin to be picked off by a roaring, toothless lion called the enemy. The doldrums of losing sleep, the doldrums of insomnia, the doldrums of working two and three times harder to get less pay. It is sucking the life out of us and we can get stuck in the loss, the doldrum, uh, the death of a dream, the death of never getting out of where we are and not knowing if we're going to get to our destination. Uh, listen, this is what I'm saying. Count the cost of quarantine. Count the cost of connection. And listen, there are risks to gathering today. Some of you are brave, courageous. I mean, you are brave, courageous people. Some of you probably walked in like, nobody touch me, nobody look at me. I got oh, Jesus, and I'm just, you're just walking by faith, not by sight. You're like, just get me to my chair, Jesus, so I can worship. And I get it. There's a risk of gathering here today. There's a virus somewhere, in, somewhere. But there's a risk of gathering, but the fruit of gathering could be this. You can gather, listen, you can gather at home with your family, and I've already said that. You can gather with your children. You can gather online and worship. You can gather in this church, but the point is, there comes a point where you say, I must gather up. I must gather up. And now that we've gathered up, what do we do? We have come together We've gathered up. Now what? I want to say number two, it's time to speak up. Everybody say that, speak up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together. There it is, gather up, as some people do. But encourage one another. But do what? Speak up. Speak down? No. Speak up encourage one another. I love the fact that when the church gets together, there's an amazing power of encouragement that should take place. You want to know if you're in a healthy church? You should walk out of this place like being encouraged, being fired up, being strengthened, knowing that while I was 
there, while I was in my house, while I was at work, some things began to press against me, and I knew that there was a place that I could gather. That's why your home, see, it's not just church. Church is important. That's why your home needs to be a place where you gather, where you gather with your, your, your spouse, where you gather with your children. It shouldn't be we only pray on the front row or on the back row or only pray in the aisles, or it's not Mr. Zach Kettle's job to just pray with the middle school students. That's not where we only pray. That is one way we gather up. You need to gather up with your family. And then what happens is when you get together, like don't sit around the table and <laughs> pick everyone apart. Pick everyone apart and, like, and, your, and pick apart your jobs and pick apart what you don't have. It, it's coming together and looking at what you do have, the power of encouragement. What is encouragement? Is actually giving courage to a person that's near you. Giving courage to a person that you love. It's the courage that I can gain from you. I'm gonna let you know, like, I, can, I need you. I can't do this alone. I need your prayers, and you need my prayers. And that's what I tell my wife all that. She says, babe, I'm covering you in prayer today. I'm like, just today? <laughs> like I do, I, do stuff, I do stuff like that just to mess with her. She's like, I'm praying for you today. But you know what? I feel there are days in my weakest moment that I feel her encouragement. And I get courage from her. But I'm the man of the house. I gotta act like I've got it all together. Well, there's a time where, listen, listen, let me quote this. It has been said, the one thing a person needs in the time of crisis is to look into the eyes of another courageous person. A courageous person that shows no look of fear in their eyes. That's bold right there. I mean, that's Roosevelt worthy. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's, that's like war ready, okay? But here's the deal. There are times that the only place I can find courage outside of you and outside of my children and outside of my wife is the Lord. That's the only place that I can find courage outside of. As even the psalmist David said, I must encourage myself in the Lord. Soul, magnify the Lord. Amen? Man, I got an amen. Thank you. Encouragement is more than just showing up. It's being ready to pray for each other. Speak up. It's ready to stand together. Speak up. It's ready to sing together. Come on, speak up. And then it's time to do family roll call. Y'all remember when you go on a vacation? I got on the other side of the maze, and they were like, okay, like, huddle up, everybody. Are we here? We only had three kids, okay? It was like my older brother and my younger brother. But it was like, are you here? Are you here? Are you here? And we did family roll call. I wonder what it would be like if church began to do family roll call, where you would go home and you would actually ask your children, you would actually ask your spouse, how are you doing? And then ask your children and your spouse, how are we really doing? How are you doing? How are we really doing? Family roll call. I love this. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 13. It says, all of the men of Judah with their wife and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. I could just see them. They've gathered up. They're ready to pray. They're holding hands as a family. I'm not suggesting we're not going to be careful. We're not going to hold hands across aisles today. We're not doing that. That's just weird anyway. Um, 
But we're going to hold hands at one point maybe today, and you're going to hold hands with your family. And they were standing there with their children going, are you doing good? Are you really doing okay? I'm encouraging you. You're about to hear dad pray for this house. You're about to hear dad pray for the church. You're about to hear dad pray for this nation. Okay, and are you good? Are you good? Let's encourage one another. Let's strengthen one another. Amen. We've got to fight for community. I love what Pastor Josh Lipscomb says. My senior pastor says, I will not let you drift into mediocrity. What is he saying? I will not let you stay in the doldrums. Amen. We must fight for community. We're responsible for those that are on the fringes. What are the fringes? It's that piece at the end of a garment that is about to tear away and potentially rip away from the seam. We're responsible to see where people are, to call on them, to ask them and to say, man, can we get up together? Because I don't want you to tear away. In this moment, this is the moment where we must pull together and fight for one another. So what do we need to do? Number one, church, we need to gather up, amen? Gather up. I'm challenging you to gather up, count the cost. Number two, I want us to speak up, amen? And number three, we must look up to shift from the drift. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 9, if calamity comes upon us, whew, that's an overstatement of 2020, if calamity, if, the most powerful two-letter word in the world, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment, I'm preaching myself where my glasses are fogging up, whether the sword of judgment, the plague, or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Listen, we need, to, we need to look up in this hour. I believe today that before we leave, we need, to, we need to stand with our family, and we need to look up. Some of us have been walking with our head down. We've, we've, we've shut up our prayers. We've told some family members to shut up. We've told some bosses to shut up. We've locked ourselves in our door we, we, behind our house. We have, we have sheltered in and hunkered down. And, and yes, there are burdens. And yes, there are, there are tough things. We've given up. We've shut up. We've held up. We've been fed up. And you today know if you've been drifting. But I love what it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 15, and then we're going to look at 17 real quick before we head out today. This is what the Lord says to you. I want you to receive this as like a prayer. Receive this as like a declaration, if you will. This is what the Lord says to you today. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Let me, let me say this way. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of corona. Do not be uh, afraid or discouraged because you're going to have to homeschool your children. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the finances are, are funny right now. Do not be afraid or discouraged because you don't know if you're going to have provision for your family. You don't know if you're going to have a, a, enough to get through everything that you did last year. Some of you are like looking at every line item, every penny, every dollar and there's fear. You've looked at relationships and there's fear. But I love this. It says, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Come on, I, I'm going to say that again. For the battle is not yours, but God's. 
You will not need to, this is, this is where I get fired up, really. You will not need to fight this battle. See, if you're not careful, you begin to fight the wrong battle. You begin to fight with your spouse. You begin to fight with your boss. You begin to fight with your children. You begin to fight with Facebook. <laughs> oh, I'm going to send that one. That's a good one. I mean, I cursed them out 20 times in my mind. <laughs> All of humanity. Get it. I'm ready to go to war over that one. We start naming politicians and senators and presidents and and this party and that party, and we lose our mind in the middle of crisis. What am I called to do? I'm called to gather up. I need to gather my family. I need to look at the church. I need to say, are we okay? Are we do or how are we really doing? I need to speak encouragement into my, my family, and I need to speak encouragement into this church. I need to speak encouragement on Facebook. I need to speak encouragement into this community. I need to speak encouragement to that. Uh, let, let's just, I must speak encouragement. But you will not need to fight in this battle. Look at this, verse 17, blows my mind. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Gather up. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Amen? See the salvation of the Lord. Position yourselves over the next 21 days. Listen, we're going into 21 days of prayer and fasting. Everybody say 21 days. It's just 21 days. It starts tomorrow. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, you don't have to fast a meal. You don't have to give up food during this time. This is what Jehoshaphat did. He called everyone to give up a treat, give up some food, give up a moment in the day where you're not going to go to that thing anymore, and I'm going to go to this thing, and that thing is called Jesus. And I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. I'm going to look up to the God in heaven and say, God, I need your help. And I'm calling on your name. That's what it says, because the battle's not mine, it's God's. And I'm going to see the salvation of the Lord, which means there comes a point where you don't pray and say, God, I hope you help me. You get to a point where you stand up with your family. Why don't we just take a moment and stand right now where we are as a sign of action? Why don't you just grab your family's hand? your family that's with you. Why don't you do that? And in addition to saying, God, I'm gonna pray for this church and God, I'm gonna pray for this community. Why don't you take a moment and pray for your family just real quick? I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna call on the name of Jesus. Listen, before we pray, this is what I wanna say to you. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him who? That's Jesus. And given him the name which is above every name. That means Jesus' name is above COVID. Jesus' name is above politics. Jesus' name is above financial pressure that's in your home. Jesus' name is above it all. That at the very name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those underneath the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, we're going to pray for our families. We're going to pray right now. 
Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these families that are joining hands right now. Lord, I pray that your presence, that the presence of God invades their home. It invades their family. It invades their workplace. God, I lift up the name of Jesus. Right now, if you believe that, I want you to just begin to speak the name of Jesus over your situation. Speak the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Jesus, I put my hope in you. Jesus, you are the Savior of the world. There is power in your name. And when you said the name of Jesus, I want you to know the battle is not yours, it's God's. When you said the name of Jesus, you can lift up your eyes and begin to see that the Lord's got that under control. There's, a, there's, there's families in here that you're concerned about your ministry. You're concerned about a church that you're involved in somewhere else. You're, 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 you're concerned about your business and about your future. It is not your battle. God has it. All you have to do right now is speak the name of Jesus. Come on, do you feel the power and the presence of God? Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, my friend, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Can we give him a shout of praise? So listen, you may be seated. I got to wrap up. We're about to get out of here. 21 days of prayer every morning on Facebook. This is your to-dos. You got a to-do list this week. You're like, more to-dos? Yes, to-dos. Every morning on Facebook, we're going we're gonna to have 7 a.m. Devo time. We're switching our time from 9 a.m. to 7 a.m. on Facebook. And I want you to huddle up and gather up on Facebook and learn how to pray. As you leave today, we have, I know it's not kosher to give printed material during this time, but be very careful and very graciously grab it like that and walk out the door. But this is called Prayer First. It's a Prayer First guide. If you have the Liberty app, you can literally click on uh, the icon that says 21 days of prayer click on that icon and there's a digital format of this prayer guide. And for the next 21 days, moms, dads, uh, grandmas, grandpas, families, I want you to commit to praying with your family. Gather up, speak up, and look up. Listen, as we close and I'm about to turn it over, there's people in here that have never given your life to Jesus. If that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed right now, we're gonna take one minute if you have not given your life to Jesus and today you want to confess that he is the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to lift your hand right now and submit your life to Jesus, if that's you. Anyone in this room says, I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Let's say this prayer out loud. Say, Jesus, thank you that you're the Savior of the world. I trust you with my life. I receive your forgiveness for all the sin and every shameful thing I've ever done. I kneel before you. I surrender my life to you and your word and your ways. I will follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life. You're not just my savior. You're not just a friend. You are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.